we thank you for the privilege you've given to us that we can come into your house thank you lord for this day that we can wake up lord feeling alive and privileged to serve you yet another day lord our desire is that you fill our lives with your spirit and today lord as we come into your presence we ask that you would strengthen each one in this assembly today strengthen their faith those that are a part of this church but not here today we pray that you'll strengthen their faith and touch their lives father pray especially for brother sam today that you would continue to help him in his recovery pro pro process lord that you will strengthen his mind and his spirit Bless this service today and bless everywhere the word of God is being preached, Father. In Jesus' wonderful basket. Amen and amen. Let's all be seated. We are indeed privileged to be a part of this church. I feel I'm privileged. Um, more than privileged when I listen to my own message for example the message on wednesday i said i listened to it about three times i think i did more than three times because sometimes you listen and then you stop it because something happens and then you keep on listen listening to the message um the word of god is being preached in this assembly and when I say word of God, I'm not just talking, reciting things from the Bible. I'm talking, speaking things that uh, God has placed in your mind and your heart to direct the assembly. God has placed that in your mind and your heart to direct the assembly. And we need direction today quite different than the direction the early church needed when they got started 2,000 years ago. When the early church got started 2,000 years ago, uh, it was a different situation altogether because it was a church started in Jerusalem in that vicinity and they were mainly Jews. And the Jews in that period of time had to deal with the apostasy that was existing in their own nation. Isaiah writes and he says, the Lord was like a root uh, growing up in a dry, out of a dry ground. Israel uh, had an angel troubled water and ever so often something supernatural would happen. But Israel was in deep apostasy. And the church had to isolate itself from that bulk of Israel in order to go on with God. There was no way Jesus could have continued being in the temple, uh, hobnobbing with that element. He was there preaching the gospel. And when the church started on the day of Pentecost, even though Israel would meet on the seventh day of the, the week, uh, the early church met on the first day of the week. They had to isolate their time. And if you could put yourself back in that period of time, you'll find that 
it would be difficult for you to give up old traditions because you're accustomed going to uh, to the temple in, on the Sabbath and then here is something seemingly new starting out and so you will still find yourself going into the temple to pray and to do devotions and that was where Peter and John were on their way to the temple uh, when they met the man at the gate beautiful and healed him they were still going to the temple and it must have taken them many many years before they could break off from the, the practice of going there and today we are 2,000 years this side and never in the history of the church has it been so divided and scattered and mixed up with denominations of every sort there's not only hundreds of denominations I think there are thousands of groups and so when you think of the church I'm using a general terminology church and these general terminologies whether I say church or the body or the body of Christ or the work of God more general uh, not everything is covered under the terminology church when I say work of God not everything that goes on in religion is a part of the work of God and just after the early church got started even though Israel remained Israel in their apostasy the early church just a few years after it was started it started to deteriorate and individuals were feeling like they're called you see perverted ambition is a bad thing what destroyed the devil was perverted ambition when you think you're greater than you really are and you feel you need to start your own thing at the same time uh, you have to be so careful that you're not involved in a self-praise uh, situation when the early church got started and they were moving on here I'm looking at a scripture in 1st John chapter 4 1st John chapter 4 and really and truly I don't know where we're going today but uh, John here it was about 80 90 it was approximately maybe 60 years after Jesus went back uh, to his father and the early church got started AD 90 uh, will describe about 60 years from the commencement of the church on the day of Pentecost and we are guessing here because I'm looking at the Oxford Bible and there's a little number here a little center column reference that tell you what time uh, this epistle was written and so just 60 years after the day of Pentecost approximately uh, the early church started to deteriorate uh, Jesus had prophesied about that Jesus had already said while men slept an enemy will sow tears among the wheat and we're talking about a genuine church that got started on the day of Pentecost uh, I may be criticized for being very adamant about certain things but I am 
very confident when I say we don't have the power of God like they had it on the day of Pentecost. Remind me, I'm getting back to that. But here in 1 John chapter 4, John says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God. Because many, 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 many false prophets are already gone out into the world. Just 60 years after the day of Pentecost, the work of God was undermined and overpowered by many false prophets. And if this happened 2,000 years ago, I wonder how many false prophets are there today. See, you didn't have denominations, they just had groups uh, forming. You had a group that followed Harmonies, a group that maybe followed uh, Philetus, and there are other individuals. And as the early church started to deteriorate, men were arising up. John is warning the church, he says, believe not every person that's preaching. Love believe it all things, brother saying, yes, 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 but there comes a time when we have to change that. You cannot believe all things. I know it has been said, love believe it all things. I am saying you can't believe all things. If you have true charity, you must be able to analyze things and see whether you should believe it or you should question its validity. And so John went on here, he says, we're hereby know we the Spirit of God. And uh, he says, every human being or every person that confesseth that Jesus is come in the flesh is of God. Now that's a very strong statement John made 2,000 years ago. And I'm going to disagree with that statement because you don't know the context in which John was writing. Because 2,000 years ago when John was writing this, uh, they, were, they were a group of individuals that believed Jesus did not come in the flesh. They believe that he came as a spirit being, that Jesus was a spirit. When you see him walking around, he only took on that form, but he was a spirit. And the doctrine that was promoted to claim that is a doctrine that they described as docetism, which was promoting an idea that he didn't come in the flesh, uh, he was just a spirit being. So John is dealing with this without calling individuals name. But there was a man, his name I think was Serenthus, that was teaching the doctrine of docetism, that Jesus did not come in the flesh. So if he didn't come in the flesh, what died on the cross? Well, he did not really die. But you and I know he came in the flesh. He took upon him human uh, flesh and human nature. Mary gave him a human body. And he lived and he conquered sin. Uh, he did not have to conquer sin in his own life, but he conquered the temptations that they, they, the devil placed to him. And he, he walked in this earth and he died for our sins. He died. He poured his soul out unto death all right so docetism was being promoted and that is why john says anyone that confesses that jesus has come in the flesh is of god i can't say that today 
because the Muslims confess that Jesus is come in the flesh, the Hindus confess that Jesus is come in the flesh, the atheists confess that Jesus is come in the flesh. Are they all of God? Absolutely not. So I can't take this scripture and use it as everyone that confesses that Jesus is come in the flesh is of God. It cannot be applied to our day. And a lot more cannot be applied to our day. And so John went on, he says, And everyone that confesseth not that Jesus is come in the flesh is not of God, and this is the spirit of Antichrist, uh, whereof you have heard that it should come, and now, even now, is already in the world. The spirit of the, of the Antichrist was already existing when John was writing this letter. Now we all know that there is going to come an Antichrist, right? We all know, <laughs> you know the Bible doesn't say there is going to come an Antichrist. The Bible, I don't even think anywhere in the book of Revelation the word Antichrist is mentioned. But we are convinced that there is going to come an Antichrist. Well. The spirit of the Antichrist is there might be one man that rises up that is called, the Bible calls him the man of sin, that would be predominant and he is Antichrist, but so is the Muslim, he's Antichrist. The, the, the Hindu priest is Antichrist. The spirit of the Antichrist is anything that's against Christ, is anti-Christ, all right? So the spirit of the Antichrist has always been in the world and it has been in many organizations since the start of time. And so we're not coming out of the early church directly. We're coming through a process where apostasy came on in and people rose up and many false prophets went out into the world. Well, the early church had to slowly see this happen but on the day of Pentecost, they were all zealous. And the church was launched on the day of Pentecost. Over here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it tells us a little bit about uh, the work of God. And I will use the term body of Christ because I would like to talk a little bit more. Last night I said a few things about the body of Christ. Uh, it's a terminology that everyone would like to use. And it is one of our pet terminology. Um, last night I told this assembly that nowhere did I find the Acts of the Apostles that when Peter or uh, Paul went into a, a new city, he says, I'm here to introduce you to the body of Christ. No, he didn't. Uh, he just built churches. But they taught about a body and they thought about a, a body that Christ was the head of. And we're talking about the genuine church coming out of the day of Pentecost. Today, every organization claims that they are part of the body of Christ. And someone says, well, I'm a Mormon, and uh, my founder, he had an experience with an angel, Joseph Smith, did have an experience with an angel. And an angel met him, and an angel told him things, and. Uh, they, that he went and he found tablets, a long story. And so the Mormon church was born because a man met an angel. 
Paul, saw, Paul said, though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel, let him be accursed. I'm not here for an angel to appear and tell me anything, even though I would like to see an angel appear. And I've had, I've had experiences, and one particular experience right in the basement of this church, where I felt I saw an angel, and the angel saved me from getting killed that day. I really believe. I believe when the scaffolding keeled over with me that an angel spared my life and kept that scaffolding from going right down to the ground and brought it back up. I believe it was an angel. I believe angels accompany me uh, as much as I uh, don't see them. I wish I could see an angel. Have I asked God to allow me to see an angel all the time? But if an angel comes and say, God sent me and I'm here to teach you the gospel, that's not how God operates. When he ascended on high, he gave gifts unto men. Imperfect men were given a perfect gospel. And the church is to be taught by men, not angels. But an angel could guide you. An angel could lead you out of prison. An angel could direct you to go to a uh, to find Peter and to come to Cornelius' house. But an angel is not authorized to teach the gospel. So when William Branham, he had an angel, he had an encounter with an angel. Now I'm talking about William Branham, and he was a great man in his time. And when I called him one time, I said, that false prophet William Branham, I got rebuked by Brother Goodwin. You calling that man? A false prophet? I said, well, he wasn't he? And he rebuked me. And that was good because we're to be uh, respectful even to the devil. Uh, when Michael rebuked the devil, he did not bring against him a railing accusation, but he said, the Lord rebuke thee, O Satan. Delegated authority must be appreciated. And uh, we have grown into a society where delegated authority is not appreciated. And when William Branham had an encounter with an angel, and an angel directed him, and an angel taught him some doctrines, and an angel explained to him the serpent seed doctrine, which is one of the most damnable doctrines on this planet, I cannot hope that an angel appear to us and lead us on. But angels did keep guard on the work of God. And I wish today God would have a more personal relationship with his people. I really wish. Do I believe God touches my mind? Yes. Every time I stand to my feet, I feel that God puts words in my mouth. The church is here to help individuals organize their life and set their lives in order. And if you feel like you're independent and you can work independent of the church and build your own life, go ahead and make your day. But if I'm here in the church, I will like to see counsel ever so often from my pastor. We've got individuals that sit in this church that are very predominant in the job they do. The people that are qualified in the job they do. And they can help you to make some decisions sometimes when you're not qualified to make it yourself. 
Are we trying to control you? No, I'm not trying to control anybody. Of all the history of this church and the body of Christ, like we terminology we use, this is the first one that gives people a little more relaxed atmosphere. And all you do is bend the rule a little and people go hog wild. And it tells you before, when we want to dress a certain way and conduct ourselves a certain way, it was all a camouflage. It was all hypocrisy. And we look back at the early church and they were coming out of the upper room and let's see what was going on in the early church. Here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, Paul is writing. Now hold your finger in chapter 12 and back up here to Romans chapter 15. And the reason why I'm using this Bible to help us to understand what existed is because here in Romans chapter 15, uh, Paul is writing to the church at Rome that he never started. At this point, he never even visited the church. But he's writing to the church at Rome, and he's saying, when we then that are strong, spiritually strong, ought to bear the infirmities of those who are spiritually weak, and not to please ourselves. We're not here thinking like an individual uh, we are alone individual thinking. I'm here to, to think about you. And someone says, well, uh, it, sh shouldn't you we all meet together more often? Yeah, we should. What's your problem? You notice what I said? What's your problem? We meet here on a Wednesday night, don't we? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here on a Saturday night. I would say it like Brother Gordon, aren't I? That's what he would say, aren't I? I'm here on a Saturday night, I'm here on a Wednesday night, I'm here on Sunday, I don't miss a service easily. Uh, it's not in me, and to this weekend we should have been in Rochester, but the fact that Brother Sam was not well, I cannot leave the church, and I'm glad I didn't. See, we work step by step. And honestly, you don't know me well enough. You need to know me some more. Do I like to go to big restaurants? Now, Barry Goodwin was a wonderful man. He was my leader. He had a lot of good qualities about him, and he's got some qualities. It's not scriptural, but they're good qualities. He loved expensive suits. He loved, ex he could afford it. He could have afforded a lot of things. He would like expensive cologne. He would like a particular kind of chocolate. Uh, he likes a good restaurant. And I love the man, but I didn't do what he liked. I can't afford to do what he liked. I must develop my own personality and let God work with me as an individual. Um, I love the work of God. I love the habitation of God's house and the place where his honor dwelleth. Give me the word of God. I love the word of God he taught. I love the principles he had. Some principles were really, really good. And so I would have to follow him as he followed Christ. And even though he's gone, there's some things I still follow about him that are important, but he's not here anymore. I can't follow him. I must be able to follow God's leading in my own life. And so here I am, and Paul says, 
Uh, to the Romans, he says, let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. Your responsibility is to please your brothers and sisters for their edification. Don't isolate yourself. Don't tell me the Lord is leading you to isolate yourself. He does not work like that. And then you tell me something like that, I let you, the Lord, whoever the Lord is that you have leading you, go ahead and lead you. You have to learn your lessons the hard way. Sometimes we have to learn our lessons the hard way. And when I'm thinking of this, and then he goes on here, he says in verse 4, and that's where I'm coming to, he says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime, and when Paul was writing this, he was referring to the things written in the Old Testament. As I'm reading Paul's writing here, I'm referring to the things Paul wrote, and the things um, Peter wrote, and the things Jude wrote, and what is in the New Testament. My use of this scripture is more current than Paul's use of the scripture. When he wrote this, he was talking of Old Testament. I'm not talking of the Old Testament only. I'm talking about the New Testament also. And because this is an example for us, I'm here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 gives us a little glimpse of what existed in the body of Christ at that period of time. Now stop reading, keep your scripture marked at 1 Corinthians 12 and look at me. If whatsoever was written aforetime was written for our learning, we need to read and understand history. Uh, mark down this scripture and read it because I bumped into this scripture this morning. I said bumped into the scripture. It's a scripture in Psalms the 78th chapter and it's got 72 verses and it deals with Israel and Israel's rebellion and every time God saved Israel he they rebelled mark the scripture down Psalms 78 and when you have time read it because one of these days I'll just decide to do Psalms 78 when I look back at history and when I'm looking back at history, Old Testament history has one incident after the other. Uh, Israel coming out of Egypt is like the church, individuals coming out of the world. The journey through the wilderness is symbolic to our journey into reaching maturity until we come into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So when we look at Israel as a type of the church, whatever Israel happened to Israel, we use that to guide our lives and try not to make the same mistakes. Israel, every time, and I've said this over and over again, a prophet came, it came because Israel was full of iniquity and contrary to God's plan. Israel was a rebellious people traits of Egyptian mentality and the way of thinking was in their minds. It was a bad history. When they came out of, out of Egypt, they, uh, they had their, some of the individuals still have, had the golden calf mentality. 
And all Moses had to do was uh, gone up into the mountain for 40 days. And by the time in 40 days, little less than two months, he went up seeking God for the people and they made golden calf. They had Aaron build them a golden calf. If I die or I, I have to leave the country and I'm caught in some foreign country or I die, I hope none of the elders would help end up building golden calves in this church. Well, this is how we did it out there in Pentecost. How you did it in Pentecost brought you to where you are today, but it would not lead this church on. Are you listening to me? My mom was a good godly mother, but she's not here to run this church. She taught me some good principles, but I cannot build this church based on the principles my mom put in my life. What we did when I was growing up, I appreciate all of that, but this church, for it to go on, it must be built upon the foundation that I've laid in this assembly. And to the best of my ability, it's apostles and prophets and Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. And some of the men that have taught me in the work of God, uh, they're a part of that foundation. But the foundation is a foundation only. My responsibility is to build on the foundation. If I'm gone, the elders who take over the church would have to build on that foundation. They can't build to accommodate the storms that exist in the world. They'd have to build to resist the spiritual bad weather in our present day society. Israel dragged along a lot of old habits and customs from the Egyptian mindset. And I pray as I'm talking to this church that I hope the body of Christ, like we call ourselves, has not dragged in a lot of the mentality of an ungodly world and the world mindset. Otherwise, we'll never produce a single soul for the first resurrection. The church, Brother John said last night, the temple must be measured. The altar must be measured and them that worship therein must be measured. We must have a measurement. And so, though Israel, we're looking back hindsight, Israel, they loved God, they were God's people, but most of the case, most of the instances I read about them, they were in rebellion, serving idols and worshiping false gods. When I come today, come leave the Old Testament and I jump over to the New Testament period of time when Jesus came, he came to a nation full of apostasy, he came unto his own and his own received him not. The hardest people to ever get saved is the one that's family to you. I'll say that again. When people get acquainted with the pastor and they hobnob with him and their buddy buddy, they will not get saved easily. Familiarity breeds contempt to the non-elect. To the elect, familiarity adds confidence. That's my quotation. I invented that. Because someone says familiarity breeds contempt. 
I was familiar with Brother Goodwin, but familiar to a certain extent. I remember uh, a brother that pastored one of our churches. Uh, he was a poor man. His church gave him like $25 in America. And that was like a lot of money. And when he went out and saved his money and he went and bought a furniture for his living room, a sofa, saints in the church stopped giving money. The church needed to backslide and go to hell. And it did. I could foretell, I'm like a spiritual weatherman, I could foretell the future of some churches. That church needed to go to hell and it did go to hell. How can you treat a man that's working in the ministry and he can't even buy something for his house and people make an issue out of that? And so when we're looking back at history, we come to the early church period. He came to his own and his own received him not, but to as many. Israel did not accept Jesus. You think for fasting 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness would have given him that anointing that everybody would love him? No. Jesus said, woe unto you when all men speak good of you. But isn't that what most preachers want? Credibility, popularity, fame, and to be loved? If you preach a gospel with the purpose of making the people comfortable in their hypocrisy, you need to quit the ministry. And when I preach like this, when I say things like this, I'm talking to us and to anyone that God bless their ears to listen to this message. Most of the people just carry on and you can't change them. You think all Israel got saved because Jesus preached the truth? No, the people that said Hosanna in the highest, the ones that he fed fish and bread to, and said, Hosanna in the highest, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. A few days after, shout, crucify him. Crucify him. People love you today, they turn against you tomorrow. His own family was against him. And familiarity would breed contempt in the hearts of the people. Don't ever take the source of life for granted. That's why I'm standing here. I'm here to offer you a source of life. And you can take it or you can leave it. So we come to the New Testament period of time. And before I get into 1 Corinthians again, uh, we come into the New Testament. We finish with the Old Testament. The Old Testament is loaded with hypocrisy, idolatry, rebellion. That's why we had the prophets. And they all got killed. By who? God's people. And we come into the New Testament and when we look at the New Testament, the church that started on the day of Pentecost eventually went to hell. Well, we look at some of the things they did before they went to hell today. God helping us. Churches of Galatia, Lystra, Iconium, Antioch, and Derbe all while Paul was alive, the body of Christ in Galatia, Lystra, Iconium, Antioch, Derby, all went to hell. The body of Christ. The body of Christ in Corinth went to hell. 
the body of Christ in Colossae took a longer time, but eventually went to hell. During the period of its existence, they were able to save some people and put them away. But then the church goes slowly into apostasy. And by the time then, it becomes inactive because it accommodates the spirit of society. And it cannot isolate and sanctify God's people and make them ready for the first resurrection. Last night I sat here and I'm looking at this cross. And honestly, I want it off. The reason why it still stays there is because nobody's making little cross. You got a cross on your neck? No, nobody's making. You see, if everybody in this church start make crosses and hang it on their neck and walk in the cross, and we got to put a cross on our on our letterhead and cross here and cross there, I'll rip it off myself and leave it bare, even though we can't afford to put curtains. Because it has become an idol. And the body of Christ has a habit. When the power of God is not there to develop little things that pleases you. We need to improve the band. We need to improve the, uh, the worship. We need to specialize on the food we serve. But we ain't got the power. History tells us, and the history closest to us, whatsoever was written aforetime, is supposed to teach us, man, that we don't make the same mistakes. So if the church of Jerusalem was no longer there, and the churches of Galatia was no longer there, the church of Philippi is no longer there, and the body of Christ was undermined continuously by the devil, what makes us feel we are infallible? Especially when we don't have the power of God like they had in the early church. We might be already undermined and don't even know it. Here in 1 Corinthians, Paul is writing to the church and he's telling us, he's telling them uh, what should exist in this assembly. He says, uh, <clears throat> verse 7, he says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. And here is what the early church had, and Corinth had it too, but they lost it eventually. He says, to one is given the Spirit of wisdom. That's a gift of the Spirit. When you have the genuine Holy Ghost, it gives you a gift. I believe in speaking in tongues. I'm Pentecostal, but I don't believe in rattling tongues in the church, in a public meeting. Paul did not believe it either. And when you have the gift of tongues, make sure it's appropriate. What do you speak, Brother Emmanuel? What language do you speak? Urdu? Would not be something if suddenly God touched me and I started to speak Urdu? Would you ever forget that for the rest of your life? That God touched me today and I speak Urdu. But I got a spirit, but I ain't got that gift. And if you die, don't have the gift of resurrection. And if you need extreme wisdom, I might lack some of that too. 
Now here is given the gift of wisdom. Number two, the word of knowledge. Number three, the gift of faith. Faith. You have the gift of faith. If you have the faith as a grain of mustard seed. I wish I had one here. And I'm going to go back to that bulk store and buy me a mustard seed. A mustard seed is as small as... I'm trying to think of something. Um, a grain of salt. You see a grain of salt? A mustard seed is... A, a grain of rice is like... It's like a poppy seed. A mustard seed is like a poppy seed, so small. If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you'll say to a mountain, Be thou removed, then shall be cast into yon the sea, and it shall be done. We talk like a mountain and have not even faith to move a mustard seed. The early church had that. They had the gift of faith. They had gifts of healing. When Peter walked down the street, people would bring the, the sick and put them on so his shadow can fall on them and heal them. They had the power of God. When Peter and John went to the gate beautiful and they met that impotent man who was impotent from his mother's womb. And he could not walk, he was lame and could not walk. Peter said, John, he says, here's a man. And the man says, give me some money, please, please give me money. And he stretched out his hand and Peter said, silver and gold we don't have. In other words, we don't have money, buddy. Now, if you're a beggar and reaching out for some financial help and the person you're reaching out to tell you they got money, you already lost faith. You ain't getting nothing from them. Right? Right? Peter said, but what I have, what I do, have. The present tense. He says, I've got it. You see, I'm telling you, we ain't got it. I could make believe that we got it. I could have the music perk, perked up and we scream and we holler and we make a lot of noise and say, you feel the spirit? No, I'd like to see the spirit in manifestation rather than feel the spirit. Why does the people shout in a stadium? Because they feel the spirit. When their team is winning, they shout. Right? Do they feel the spirit? Listen, there's nothing to feel. What did Paul feel when he was in Philippi in the jailhouse and he kept Simon, he said, he tell the Barnabas, he says, let's Paul and Silas. He said, Silas, let's sing praises. Backs are bleeding. Let's sing praises. Does a martyr feel the spirit when they said, burn me, I'm not going to deny Jesus. They had gifts of healing. Whether it's diabetes, whether it's cancer, whether it's uh, blood pressure, whatever it is. They have gifts of healing. The early church had that. We don't. The early church had um, uh, miracles. 
We don't. Once in a while, the mercy of God heals someone. Once in a while, something spectacular happened. Once in a while, every blue moon. It says uh, they have the gifts of prophecy, discerning of spirits. We don't see Brother Brian here today, but Brother Brian has a problem in his in his body. He feels like he's got demons that needs to be delivered. And when I walk by him, I don't feel all that deep demon. I think his thing is more psychological and uh, physical condition more than demonic. It's demonic. Everything that's evil is demonic, but I don't feel that. We see, I'm very sensitive to feeling things. And when I pass by him, I don't feel that. Uh, when he has his little manifestation, something comes up there, but I don't feel that. But you see, his demon wants attention. He wants you to bring him up here and he falls down on the ground and rolled around. And the demon wants attention. Not giving it attention. I tell him, go home, read your Bible. Give him a Bible. Tell him to, we'll pray for you. We'll see what we can do. We are, I'm going to pray for you all the time. Isn't he behaving better, brother, brother uh, since he come? But no, he don't believe he's better. Because you know what? A demon sometimes needs attention. I have to know what to be done. And I tell them, log on to the site, listen to the messages, and as you feel light into your life, darkness would be gone. And Brian, you wouldn't even know anything is gone. But you've got to be willing to work with it. But he wants to come up here, where John and him rolling on the ground to cast his demon out. That's what he wants. He wants, you know, like some action. No. Not here. I'm not going to let the devil make a mockery of us. But they had gifts of healing. And they had diverse kinds of gibberish. Huh? Chinese gibberish? Spanish gibberish? Can you speak Chinese gibberish? Anybody here can speak Chinese gibberish? Doesn't that sound Chinese? Doesn't it sound Chinese? That's Chinese gibberish. Doesn't make sense. A Chinese here, uh, they'll feel embarrassed. But you can come into the church and you let the flesh operate and somebody speaking tongues five words all the time. Five words all the time and just repeating something that Pentecost has brought. But it's not the power of God. Diverse kinds of tongues is diverse kinds of languages. The early church has that. We, do, we don't. And it goes on here, it says, an interpretation. Not only speaking the tongues, interpretations. And Paul says, if a man is speaking in tongues and there's no one to interpret, be quiet. And I believe in the same. I believe in having order in the church. And I believe that the early church had the power of God working with them. We don't. Here in 1 Corinthians, it goes on here, and I'm going to finish with this because time is gone on us. And Paul reads on here, he says here in verse 12, For us, the body is one, and we're talking about the body of Christ 2,000 years ago, and had many members, and all the members of that one body, being many are one, so also is Christ. See, taking on a term and taking on a name, and using it 
Just like they did in the early church period of time, there were men going out. There was a man walking out, and he, uh, there was a man whose name was Kiva, and he had seven sons. And his sons thought they can do like Paul. And they went in, they had a possessed man, and they went in and they said, In the name of Jesus, whom Paul preached, your demon come out of him. And one demon-possessed man stripped all those seven boys naked and sent them running out of the house. Because they did not have the power of God. When we have the power of God, we will help to build this body. See this body, all that is here is talking about the body. And it's talking about so many comely parts on comely parts. And he says in verse 27, You're, you are the body of Christ and members in particular. And God has set some in the church. God has set in the church, uh, in this body, some apostles and some prophets and some teachers. And then miracles and gifts of healing and helps and governments, diversities of tongues. Are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Are all workers of miracles? No. Have all the gifts of healing? No. <clears throat> Have all, do all speak with tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. But covet. Covet earnestly the best gifts. And yet Paul says, I'll show you a better way. And he says in chapter 12, verse 1, Though I speak with the tongue of men. This is genuine tongue, not gibberish. Though I speak with the tongue of men and of angels. In other words, if you read 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13, uh, you'll find that you can have all the gifts and no fruit. It profited you nothing. We as the body of Christ today, we want, I, I would like to be talking about this ever and ever and ever and ever and ever, ever so often. There's the body of the beast, there's the body of Christ, and in the Old Testament there was the body of Moses. Today, we have two factors that we are dealing with. The body of Christ, that which belongs to Christ, and the body of the beast. How do I know you belong to Christ? Because you have eliminated all the practices of the body of the beast out of your life. If you claim to be the body of Christ and you're incorporating theological concepts and standards that belong to the body of the beast, I question, are you the body of Christ? Are you making a mockery of Christ? If you're the body of Christ and every time a pagan celebration comes around, whether it's Christmas or Easter, and you get your children and everybody involved with Christmas trees and all this kind of paraphernalia, you are not a part of the body of Christ even though you claim to be. The body of Christ is what Jesus prayed for. He says, Father, sanctify them to thy truth. Thy word is truth. And our choices today will determine which body we belong to. If you're a part of the body of Christ, you will love Christ and submit yourself to all that Christ is doing in this day and age. Are you? The early church, the body of Christ in the early church, and I'm closing with that. Uh, Acts chapter 
at Acts chapter 2, uh, chapter uh, 2, I think I want. Uh, I'm, I'm going to close with that. <clears throat> uh, chapter 2, it says the body of Christ. Uh, here was what the early church got started with. Do we have the same spirit? Me making a statement that I'm the body, the body, the body, does that make a difference? Listen, when I look back at the Old Testament and I look at the New Testament church era, I see that the work of God has always been bombarded and undermined by the beast and the beastly system. And the world, according to Revelation 13, wonders after the beast. The body of the beast has a very strong pull that Christians, atheists, Muslims, and all the religious bodies seem to be wandering after the beast. And so you wandering after the beast makes you a part of the body of the beast. So here's the question. Are you the body, a part of the body of Christ or are you more of the body of the beast? Which one are you? Everybody saying I'm the part of the body of Christ because Brother Goodwin said so. Hmm. Good for you. My question is to you. Do you drink the cup of the devil more than the cup of the Lord? If you're a body of Christ, you'll be drinking the cup of the Lord. But no point in preaching the message of the body of Christ and drinking the cup of the devil can't and the cup of the devil would you want harmonies to teach this church would you want Philetus to teach this church would you want the atrophies to be your pastor Hananiah Shemiah popular men in their days or do you want a man like Jeremiah that would tell you exactly what you need to hear in order to save you? See, these are things that we need to consider in our day because it's trying times. This is not time just to be happy. It's time to be serious. Let the world be happy. And you know, I told you that every time I turn the radio on, there's somebody else dancing. They dance, dance, dance. Eat, eat, eat festival, Caribbean festival, Greek festival, everybody's doing something in the city. People are dying around the world. Floods are taking over the world. Uh, far, forest fires are destroying the world. Uh, strange situations are happening in the world. And mankind, is keep, uh, he keeps on reveling. And the church also keep on reveling. May God help us. May God give us direction. May as long as God gives me strength to preach this gospel, may he continue to help me to preach this gospel to you. And here, it says the early church, I'm closing here, verse 41. And they that gladly received the word were baptized. And the same day they were added, approximately 3,000 souls were added to the church. And what did they do? They continued uh, in their own corners of society. Everybody gone their own way. Church is done. You know, I look at church here on a Sunday and I'm disappointed that when church is over, everybody flee. Never used to happen like that. 
When you love God, you don't flee. Especially on a Sunday. I came on in today, and I walk on in, and those vent, heat vents in the entrance. <clears throat> Anybody's got dry corn? When you come in the entrance, you take, you bring a dry corn during next week, and you put it on that heating vent, and you come back the following week, and it's going to sprout roots. Because there's dust there at the entrance, and there's dust on those windows, and there's dust all over, dust in the kitchen, dust all over this place. We come, and we can praise God, and shout, and say we love God, but no one is available to spend time and give themselves and dedicate them over to the house of God. Do you think we are a wonderful people? Or are we a bunch of hypocrites? We need to improve our Christian life. We need to do works because the first thing God said, he says, I know thy works. Finish off here, it's hard to close off. He says, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers and fear came upon the fear of God came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles and all that believe had all things common it's not one person enjoying life and the others are suffering no we are bearing each other's burdens here it says and they sold some sold their possessions that had extra property and parted them to men that had need individuals that had need the early church had the love of God It's not once a week we see you. And then we are body. Wouldn't that be something? If my head alone decides to stay home. And the rest of me turn up in church. See a body is many members. And we have to come to work together. Not mechanically. But because it's a part. If we are part of the body. We are able to fellowship. They continued in fellowship. And it says, and they continued daily with one accord, one spirit, one mind. In the temple, breaking bread, and from house to house did eat their meat with singleness of heart, with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding daily to the church those who were being saved. Let us pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this period of time that you've given us that we can be in your house. Lord, we would not want to deceive ourselves. Please help us to be a part of the body of Christ. Not to say it, Father, but to live lives that will represent us. Help us to be realistic. Help us to understand how important it is to see the fact of life and reality of our spiritual condition and position. Let these words remain in our hearts that we might not sin against you, Father. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.